Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from startups and businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Mocharco. This is George Macharco, host of DC Entrepreneur. I'm here today with Stephen Winans. He is the founder of DC-based startup Knockity. Welcome today. Hi, George. Thanks so much for having me here today. Stephen, uh, thanks for speaking with us. What is Knockity? Can you please tell us about that? Definitely. Knockity is a website, and it's a website where homeowners can search for home buyers. And so uh, potential buyers create a home buyer profile saying where they want to live and what they're looking for in a home, a neighborhood, and community. And then homeowners can privately search through these profiles before their home is even on the market to save everyone lots of time, money, and headaches when it comes to real estate. So this is the pre-listing space that we hear about often. Uh, right. The pre-market marketplace in a, such a high-demand area, such as Northern Virginia, where uh, houses, the good ones, come and go so quickly and people are ready to dive onto the right property. Excellent. So tell me about how you came up with this idea. Like, What, what was the, the problem that you felt that you needed to solve when you created this startup? For me, it was a very personal problem that I experienced that led me to create this startup. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we had a child, a very young child, and we knew we wanted to grow our family. And real estate prices here were just kind of skyrocketing, going out of control. And we thought if we wanted to stay here and start a family here, grow and you know, from an anchor uh, of one place, our children could have all these happy memories uh, without having to think about the worries of moving like I did when I was a kid, that we needed to buy a property uh, then and there. But what the, the problem we faced was we wanted to stay in Reston, Virginia, and we wanted a very specific type of house, a contemporary house with vaulted ceilings, that, that kind of thing. And so those don't come on the market uh, far too often. And so what we did was we sold our townhouse uh, so that we'd be ready to, to jump on the right house with a really good offer when the time came. So we moved into a temporary month-to-month condo and waited for houses to come. And weeks passed, those weeks turned into months, and that perfect house never came on the market. And it was so frustrating because there we were, just trying to look for a place for our growing family, and I couldn't do anything about it. And so I decided to take some matters into my own hands. I got extremely creative, and my wife and I would walk these neighborhoods meets uh, that we had scoped out. We met some of the neighbors, and we were like, hey, uh, are any houses maybe coming on the market soon? And uh, we got the beat that way, but I also went a, a level further. I decided to look at the Fairfax County property records that are publicly available, and I wrote a program to, to grab all these addresses, and I analyzed them to see eh, who might be moving in, uh, in a few weeks or a few years, and I sent them letters. And it was so much work, and I thought, you know what, this is ridiculous. I can't be the only one that has this problem. Here I am, I really want to buy a house, and I know someone's going to sell a house in a year or two. It doesn't have to be this complicated. Why isn't there a way for someone in Reston to find me, search for me, and show me their home and sell it to me. And so that's why we built Knockity. Great. So it sounds like this problem was spurred because of of personal issues, but then you figured you could solve a greater general overall issue for other people that were having the same challenge. Exactly, because I had just gone through the process of selling my house, and then I was going through the pains of actually buying a house, and I realized, wow, there's a lot of inefficiencies in real estate. Why has no one solved this? And me, I just really love tackling hard problems that other people try to avoid. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and try to solve this problem. 
So how is this different than a FISBO? For those that don't know, FISBO is for sale by owner. Talk to us you know, about how the process of pre-listing is different for buyers and sellers through your platform. Thank you so much for asking this question because we get asked this question a whole lot and it's been a main driver of a, a bunch of our pivots. Traditionally, when you sell a home, um, you'll spend a lot of time preparing your home for, for sale, moving things, packing up boxes, painting, decluttering, uh, and then uh, you've got to get ready to show it. You pick a magical date at which time you tell the world, hey, uh, you guys can come look at my house now. Uh, but when you do that, um, a bunch of strangers will come to your house uh, at any odd hour, and you're not even sure who they are, if they're actually really interested in your house, and even if they're qualified to buy it. And so Nocity helps sellers get uh, rid of that fear and angst and stress because they can find the perfect buyer by searching through these buyer profiles and having conversations with potential buyers months or years before they've even packed away a single box. And you know what's clearly different and what we're trying to showcase is there's really nowhere you can go right now to actually search for buyers, right? You you go to the real estate websites, you say, this is where I want to live and send me updates as soon as you get them. But there's no way for sellers to search for buyers. And I think we found a major channel that's been missing in, in real estate. That's a huge win for consumers. So it sounds like it's different from the FISBO process in the sense that really it, it's the seller doesn't have to worry about, you know, kind of the marketing side of things. Uh, have you foreseen any kind of challenges with how that works whenever you're you're looking specifically for, for buyers? Um, does that change kind of like the demographics of an area if someone's looking for a certain type of buyer? Where it's been really interesting right now, where it's, uh, where it's been difficult, is trying to get people to understand that there is an alternative way to try something. So when we first started, uh, when Nocti first started almost two years ago, we thought, hey, we'll just uh, get a bunch of houses, we'll list it, and then people will say, hey, it's another resource to go to, we should... Uh, check it out, right? But um, that ended up getting people confused and saying, wait, why are you any different from anything else that's out there? And so that's why we've pivoted over to the the buyer search portion. Um, And so that's where we are today. So so explain to me how the buyer search portion works. Yep, uh, the buyer search portion. So uh, we've got a bunch of buyer profiles on there right now looking for uh, places around Northern Virginia, Maryland, uh, D.C. Uh, They add their profile to the website and says, hey, uh, for instance, me, I would have said, I'm looking for a house in Reston, Virginia, up to X amount of dollars with this many bedrooms and bathrooms. And the cool part is we say, uh, when would you like to move, right? Because a lot of people don't actually begin the process in earnest until they think they're ready to move the next day. But we're trying to get get rid of that, uh, uh, that stigma and just say, hey, if you're thinking about moving in a year or two, just put yourself out here so maybe the perfect home can come and find you. And how do you find that perfect home? Well, we've got a few uh, metadata fields in our website where you can say, okay, this is exactly what I want in a house, right? Fireplaces, pools, etc. But the coolest thing, the thing that I don't think people have really thought about until now is you can write down what you want in a neighborhood and a community. Because when you think about a home, it's so much more than just bedrooms, windows, walls. It's who are you living next to? Who's down the street from you? What's the character of that neighborhood? Uh, where am I going to be for the next 10 years? Tell me about these schools, the, the crime, the diversity, these things that actually matter to people that you can't just get from a real estate listing now. You can actually ask for, and then uh, sellers can look at that and say, hey, this is a perfect match for my house. This is all the things that you want, all the things that you never would have known about before. Let me tell you about it, and let's see if it's a perfect match and make this happen. Tell me about how you've gone about marketing the concept. How have you marketed Knockity? We've been doing a lot of word of mouth, and then we've started spending some money with uh, Facebook ads and Google AdWords. But 
what we found to be the most effective marketing channel for us so far has been a direct mail. And direct mail, not just advertising what we are, but advertising that we actually have buyers ready for your house. And uh, it's been really cool to see the reception from sellers in that in that manner. Uh, for instance, uh, we've got one buyer out there uh, who's looking for a house in Burke, Virginia. Her name is Hannah, and she's actually looking for a house on a specific street because she already lives nearby, and she wants her kids to stay in the same school zone so that you know it doesn't disrupt their uh, their childhood lives with all their friends and schools, teachers, everything like that. And so we decided, let's bring our website to the physical world straight to the sellers. We sent out her buyer profile to about 160 houses, and we've had a huge success. She's already seen five houses directly from the owner before they're on the market, and there's a bunch more coming, three to five more coming uh, from her conversations with sellers that are still prepping their house to show it to her in the best light. You know, when you have this concept, you, you, you talked about the character of the neighborhood. How do people get a sense for that? It, it, do they get a sense from that from the website? Are they able to tell that by communicating directly with some of the sellers or the buyers? Right. Today's uh, MLS listings, they're really limited to what you can say. I think it's 300 uh, to 500 characters, somewhere in there. And you'll learn about their new appliances or hardwood floors, but you don't get to learn about any of that other meat that you're really interested in. And so what we've done by connecting the buyers and sellers together is we've allowed an open dialogue to take place where you can ask all these important questions to the person who actually knows the most about it, the person who's been living there 10, 20 years. And so that's one way that they're finding out. We also have those fields on our website where we encourage the sellers to say, hey, what do you actually love about this house? And also a separate one that says, what do you actually love about the neighborhood? So people can talk about their homes and market them more effectively in different ways that, uh, that they haven't been able to today. Why do you think the real estate industry is ripe for a change? Like what's happening right now with technology that can help streamline or accelerate this process? Wow. I, I think I can uh, answer that with one word. I think it's internet. <laughs> but the real estate industry specifically, why it's so prime for change is it's such, it's, it's very interesting because it's a very entrenched industry, but it's completely consumer driven and the consumers always want the best for themselves. And I think uh, as soon as they start getting more educated, getting more interested uh, in, in their transactions and the process becomes more transparent, it's going to be so obvious. Why have we been doing the same thing for decades when there's a better way to do things? And I hope that Nakati is one of those beginning alternatives that people can see, hey, there is a different way that we could try things that doesn't hurt. It only helps. So in essence, it sounds like you're creating a marketplace for buyers and sellers without having to go through the traditional routes, the real estate agents, uh, the way that they market, etc. You can definitely come to that conclusion, but We've been doing this nearly two years now, and we've actually helped people save over 200000 by skipping real estate commissions. But what I've learned is that people will pretty much always need real estate agents. I'll say that right now, that the real estate agents will always be around because people don't know how to go through the transactions. They need some form of help about uh, what do I do next? What papers do I sign? Uh, how do I get these inspectors or these loans? And so there's always going to be a need for some professional uh, in the middle. Uh, maybe not as uh, deeply ingrained in the process, but they will always be there. So how's the reception been from real estate agents to this product? Less positive than I like, and it doesn't have to be that way, right? Um, whenever a new player comes into a very, like I said, entrenched industry, there's always fear, uh, fear of something different, because it could affect their paychecks, right? But 
I try to make things better for everyone, buyers, sellers, and this can be so much better for agents too. I think um, the commonly accepted uh, belief is uh, top 10% of real estate agents do 90% of the work. And there's so many agents out there fighting for this work. Uh, I can make it a lot easier. If the buyers and sellers can find each other, the next part they'll need is trying to find an agent to help them through the process. And so agents can come to the Nocketty website and find people that are already ready to transact instead of spending so many hours, days, weeks, or even years trying to cultivate relationships in hopes that they get a future sale. So in essence, it helps solve the problem of redlining or um, having discriminatory policies in, in neighborhoods. Exactly. They can't talk about it. The buyers and sellers can. And the more they're educated, the better decision they're going to make and the happier they're actually going to be. Okay, so it's competitive for entrepreneurs. Um, are there interesting war stories that you have from starting up Nockety during the past couple years? I was very surprised to discover how supportive the DC tech scene actually is. When we started, we were in stealth mode for about six months because we were like, oh, wow, we've got this idea. No one else has it. We've got to keep it secret until we're ready to come out with it. And then we came out, uh, different uh, pitch competitions, uh, actually ended up winning one. And we were so surprised to find out how supportive the environment is out there. There are a ton of other entrepreneurs with so much energy. All they want to do is see you succeed because if you succeed, that gives them a chance to succeed and we're all building off of each other's energies. It's really awesome out here. That's great. Yeah, so it speaks to the community that's involved here um, different from how people perceive it, which is that you know when you have entrepreneurs, that there's a competitive aspect and that some of the best ideas are going to get cherry-picked and then funded by some larger entity. And then, you know, with the, the efficiencies that they're able to do with that, they, they can streamline that and basically roll out you know, an app or a website or something in half the time. But it sounds like there, there's receptivity towards the ideas, but they're also willing to help. Is that correct? Right. Those mantras are all true. It's not about the idea. It's about the execution. And actually, the more you talk to people, the quicker you'll learn from their mistakes. And I'm happy to share with everyone all of mine. Let's go to failure, because I know that's one topic that everybody talks about in entrepreneurship, how you define failure. Does failure stop you? Does it let you keep moving forward? How do we learn from failure? Yeah, when we first started this and our website was just like, hey, there's another marketplace to list your home and there's something that you could also use to, to find buyers. I thought as soon as we had a few houses, it helps people with a few sales. People would just come around to the idea and say, hey, this is really awesome. Why don't you come check me out now? But we were not met with that reception whatsoever. People were like, wait, who are you? What is this? I don't want to talk about it. So uh, I was really surprised to learn that people weren't going to embrace me right away. And then I learned, oh, I guess, you know, it's a really large asset, a lot of money that people are dealing with, and they really want to trust one who has a real estate license uh, that makes them feel better. And so I, we learned to pivot from that. But there were some successes from that, too, because we did get the trust of about seven different people who let us help them with their transaction. And from that, it gives us enough energy to keep on going, because what we've done is when we first started, we thought, hey, let's just save people real estate commissions. That's really not what people care about. But we have saved people $200,000. And those people, they are some of our biggest fans and support us and promote us to other people. And we've done things where they can now afford to take that dream vacation that they couldn't before, where they can send their kid to college and not worry about those two semesters because it's all paid for, or buy that new car. And it feels really cool to affect lives at that level. So from our failures or uh, my bad assumptions, there's still some really cool stuff to glean from it. So you do learn, uh, you do change lives, and it gives you the energy to keep on going. You don't dwell on the failures so much. You learn from them and go. 
So talk to me about some of the pitch competitions that you've been a part of. Yeah, the pitch competitions have actually been really fun. It gives you an opportunity to test different messages, see how the audience receives it, and then uh, potentially win some awards. Uh, we've actually did win uh, one pitch competitions out there at uh, Startups Ignite, uh, and that um, allowed us to develop a lot of relationships with other entrepreneurs who are in the same position that we are. And we're still, you know, in touch with a, a lot of them who are going on to do really cool things, raising their seed rounds or quitting their jobs and going full-time into their startups. And so it's a really cool to get into these, to refine your message, build your cohort of other supportive entrepreneurs, and meet some VCs as well. So, Stephen, you mentioned that you've got a, a newborn, and uh, this is your second child. How has your wor- work-life balance been improved by becoming an entrepreneur? Well, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and I've got a nine-month-old son. And you'll learn to balance a lot of things when you have no time left. When you're forced to do it, you get a lot better at it. You know, my wife has been very supportive of what I'm doing because we both always wanted to make the world and the community that we live in a better place. We volunteer a lot in, in local things, but above all right now, I, I told her, if I cannot be a good father, I'm not going to continue doing this. But if I can be a good father and make a difference in the world, I'm going to keep on pushing for it. Great. That's a great attitude to have. And I think it's it's something that all entrepreneurs have to adopt whenever they become business owners. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, Stephen? Uh, definitely. I, I do want to tell everyone that real estate is actually not very scary. What most people go through uh, will be a pretty straightforward, easy transaction. And I've learned a ton about real estate doing this over the past couple of years. Well, great. Well, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. For more information, please go to knockity.com. I'm speaking with Raphael, the CEO and co-founder of Zugi. Zugi is the online liquor store serving the city of Milan, Italy. Welcome. Hello. Hey, Raphael. Uh, yeah. You mentioned to me when we met at Web Summit in Dublin, Ireland, that you and your co-founder, Andre, um, met as students at Bocconi University. So how did you both come up with the idea for Zugi? So basically, we are in uni, where the most people drink alcohol, uni. And we, we started off by going to parties together. We became friends. We became very good friends. We even started uh, um, uh, planning everything together. So it was like the same schedule. And once we were just at home and we we're like, oh, I wish I could have a drink. And uh, we kept that thought in, but we didn't really think it was going to be a great thing. Then uh, Andres, he got a, he was talking to a friend, which was in India. Uh, and he said, oh, I'm getting my alcohol delivered to, to a party. And we thought, whoa, that's like a great idea. Uh, I mean, I'm from Portugal. Andres is from Canada. We both have experience in many uh, developed countries that this still is not uh, a norm to order alcohol uh, and uh, on, online or through a phone to get delivered to you. You always have the same patterns of going to the store, um, getting um, getting your drink, take it home. And we thought that we could ease up the process and make ourselves our alcohol delivery. And then, so how does the idea work? Like, what what is the process that someone does in order to order uh, liquor or alcohol from Zugi? So uh, we have a website, um, and you register, 
make you have to certify yourself that you're 18 and you choose your beverages you put your address and we will deliver within an hour and then so how does your product ensure that those under 18 will not be able to order alcohol so not only they have to say on the website that they are over 18 mm -hmm. uh, as well as when we deliver the alcohol there must be uh, an ID card to show the driver that the, co the consumer will be 18. So they're getting carded whenever they actually get the yes, drop Yes, every, every delivery, uh, the same motion they have to pay for the alcohol, they also have to show their ID. And so tell me about the, uh, the bicycle courier service that you use. So we initially thought of delivering ourselves the alcohol. But we ran into too many costs that we weren't encountering. Not only the payments to the drivers, but we had to buy sco scooters, assurance for the driver, assurance for the scooter. And we said, well, we, with our money, with our pocket money, we, are, we cannot do this. We haven't gotten any investor yet. So one, one of uh, our, uh, our team members... He decided, oh, why don't you, you do like Amazon, put the people in bicycles? And we found this startup called uh, Security Courier. Mm -hmm. And they, they, are, uh, they are also small. They're not uh, big size yet. So we managed to make a deal that they will have uh, for the start two, two bicycle drivers for us. And this way we'll keep it simple, fast, and... Um, uh, and good for the environment. We all know that alcohol is a heavily regulated industry worldwide. Yes. So have there been any specific challenges that you faced when it comes to uh, providing this service for so, Milan? Yes. Uh, in fact, many in Milan, because the bureaucracy levels are still very high in Italy, uh, we had to get a license from someone that uh, at least partially owns the company. And this person had to make a one-month uh, full-time course in the university and then had to pass the exams and then got the license. After that license, we had to apply the license to the, to the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, after we, we, we apply... We get all the we, we get the approval. We still need to hire a lawyer to write all the information and all the aspects of the company, just to start. And then it has to be verified again. Mm -hmm. So it's a whole process that it's not up really to our hands, but uh, you have to plan it very carefully and choose very wisely the people you're doing with because many things can go wrong. So now we met at Web Summit. Uh, did you get any business as a result of attending that? Well, we got people interested. We had no investor, but we had a couple of uh, venture capitalists that asked uh, after we... Because to be fair, our startup is not, um, it's not, it has not launched yet. Mm -hmm. So most of the venture capitalists, they're... Um, wanted to the the proof that there's customers the proof that the business works so they actually they asked us after after we start to send uh, all our information and how it's going 
it was important to see other ideas. It was important to see how others were structured. It gave the sense of competitiveness that we might have needed for to start um, to start more things, to think of the future, to think of how everything is going to end up, uh, how unprepared we were because we we are inexperienced. We we don't know what we're doing most of the time. We just do trial and error, uh, but. Uh, we we wanna we, we have asked advices from for example teachers in our university we've had uh, meetings so we th- I, I think it's it, it was good in the aspect to see how much more we can improve and that we're not perfect. One of the things I'm I'm struck by mainly is whenever I met both you and Andres was that you're both like 18 or 19 years old and and you're doing an incredible. A job of uh, doing a startup while you're in university. Uh, can you explain how you've been able to balance your time going to school and founding a company? So our our school is uh, uh, very harsh during the exam periods, uh, but during class times, uh, the classes are not. Uh, we don't have a really full schedule, so we we're able to work uh, w- w- in the morning, in the afternoon, at night. We we have three three hours uh, a day of of class, so it doesn't really affect our time, and we just have to to be more organized during exam period. Well, we have to study for many hours. Thanks so much, Raphael, for taking the time to speak with me. But it's exciting to see some of the changes now on your website and in, and in your business. DC Entrepreneur, you congratulations on that as well. Thank you. For more information, go to myzugy.com. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog, dc-entrepreneur.com. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. Please tune in to our next episode, and thanks for listening.